um, there is a, a crisis, you know, in manhood, and and we're feeling it in our nation. There's such a um, um, a loss of purpose and identity, and it ripples through to every other part of the family and the community. So. Um, I wanted to just talk about um, what it is for men to come to God and men to come into the kingdom and what it is to disciple them. And I'm, I'm certainly no expert on this, but I feel like I've got some understanding about um, how men tick. So um, I just want to read from Genesis uh, 126. So, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them, because it's actually a type, it's man and women, but, so it, you, for the women, this is, this is for everyone, this message, but it's kind of got a man leaning on it. Uh, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. So it struck me when I first heard this that God gave a commandment to men to work. It's in our DNA. We're made in the image of God. We're made to work, but not just toil. We're made to create, to see, to see a, a different world and to work towards it. We're, we're made in his image and that's how God sees and thinks. And in that first um, chapter in Genesis, the context for that declaration by the Father was that they were in relationship, perfect relationship with the Father. But I don't believe that um, decree uh, was rescinded or lifted. It's upon men to be, to, to work and subdue and, and have dominion over things. It's upon us it's upon us. Um, shall we get the first PowerPoint? We'll see if this works. There you go. But uh, there was the fall, right? And then this, to me, is just the most tragic communication ever. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And at the, the very heart of that response from Adam is the tragic reality that there was a break in the, in the relationship. The disconnection had set in. So... Um, uh, so shame and fear had automatically just appeared in his reasoning and in his thinking 
whereas prior to that it wasn't there. Um, and that's why the essence of the gospel is reconnection with the Father, at the very heart of it. The loss, what we lost was connection with the Father. Through Jesus we've gained connection. That's the essence of it. It's not get out of hell. It's reconnection with the Father. That's the gospel. But the tragedy is that it threw men into a life of futility, um, which which we're seeing the fruit of. Now, could I have the next slide, thanks, although awesome slide operator. I saw this diagram once. I think John Maxwell did it or somebody. And it just struck me um, how a man walking in uh, right relationship with God will control his centre. He'll have control at his heart where his relationship, his primary relationship will be in order. His other relationships will be in order. He'll steward his finances, he'll steward his time, he'll steward his life. Um, it's healthy control. It's good control. You're meant to have stewardship over these things. And from that place, uh, that uh, commandment, that anointing to, to have... Uh, dominion and, and, and to be fruitful in the world and in, in, in life is where you'll have a place of influence. Men are made to have influence and to make their mark. We're wired to do that. But because of the fall, because of the fall, um, men are mired in distraction and frustration and in the domain of things where they are concerned or frustrated but have no influence and no mandate or no assignment to make a difference there. Uh, you know, it's just like making endless comments on social media. You've got no influence. You're just churning out frustration and anxiety and futility in a place where you have no assignment and you're not really making a mark. Uh, so our energy and our time and the, the water that should be feeding our soul is watering a host of other things. Um, it, you know, it's watering weeds as well as the seed of God. So our time is being wasted in the area of distraction and, um, um, yeah, just frustration, whereas alignment with God is, it, is where we would get our centre lined up and we would walk into our destiny, into our um, place of fulfilment and influence. Uh, so, yeah, shame. But shame, the trouble is when you're trying to walk out your destiny and you've, you're doing it in futile places, men struggle, they, they fail, so then they come under... Um, insecurity or fear, a sense of failure. Shame comes upon them because they do stupid things. I've known to have done many stupid things in my life. And you feel like a failure. <laughs> you feel like, oh, I should know better. So, so shame and insecurity comes upon them. Uh, and all the while, at the heart of what men do, even deeper than those things, is that they're striving to 
find reconnection with the Father, trying to establish that relationship again. So the, 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 the deep cries for fathering from sons uh, is, is woven into all the work that men do. So uh, whereas the, the affirmation and the, the, the perfect rest that we had in the Father we're trying to find it through our work. So we're no longer in the family business. We're like employees who want affirmation for everything that we do. So even the, even the, the, whether you succeed or achieve in life, men have this frustration and futility at the end of the day that they haven't been able to get the well done from their father uh, who's in heaven. They haven't been able to get the... Um, affirmation that a son, a proper son, would have. So it leads to so much futility. We're wired to, I'll just go over that, we're wired to work, but through our work we're trying to find affirmation from our father and it doesn't come. It doesn't come. So, am I making sense? Here you go to the next slide, thanks, Eli. So, when it comes to discipleship, when men come into the kingdom, and many men will be coming into the kingdom, there's a, I'm just putting it this way, if the man's got a propensity to work, he wants to work, comes into the kingdom, many men kind of jump to knowing what the commands are like stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing this, and then, <laughs> and the other commands of, oh, let's, let's, get, let's get the job done, guys, let's get the job done, let's get out there, let's take the world. But because the deepest longing in a man's heart is uh, to be reconnected with the Father, someone shared these priorities with me, and I I believe it, that the first task for a man when he comes into the kingdom, the first task of those who are discipling him is that he knows whose he is. So you know who your father is. Um, not all the other things. So you come with, men come in with all their, their baggage, but the first thing addresses the greatest need, which is the disconnection with the Father. So knowing who's, who's, who's your Father um, will define who you are. So you, you, because fathers give identity. Fathers give you a name. Fathers tell you who you are. There are many, many identities that men... Um, men take on but I, I see that they have no power I don't think they have an identity is something that gives you um, authority and fulfilment so uh, knowing whose you are is the initial framework so it's so we're portraying God for who he is uh, like that he's a good God He's not angry or disappointed. And in fact, he doesn't love you anymore because you've um, 
you've come to salvation. He can't love you. He loved you intensely as much as he could, and he still does. <laughs> so that's the kind of father we're coming to. We're not coming on groveling, hoping to get a, um, to, to get a ticket out of hell. Like it's, We're coming to a father who, who set his sight on getting his family back. So we're coming to that kind of God. He's good. He's trustworthy. Um, so then when we know who we are, um, men need to take a hold of the promises because the promises are an outworking of the faithfulness of who God is. So it's like a map, a road map ahead. It's, it's why would you, can I trust him to do all the things that are before me, that are upon me? Can I trust him? Well, because you've come to know him as a trustworthy God and you've come to know your intimate relationship that can never be severed, you can grab a hold of his promises and know that they're for you. So the promises um, position you to then finally, well, what are the commands that I'm, um, he's called me to be? And obviously things don't always kind of work in this order, but I just I think I put it this way because... If you don't know who the Father is and you're trying to do his work, you're actually going to end up working just like you were before you knew him. You're going to be looking for affirmation, looking for, oh, good, you did well there. He's not actually as preoccupied about how well we do as we are. He's the primary um, interest of the Father is maintaining relationship. That's where we're at now. It's maintain that relationship. And out of that will flow every other thing. So the promises um, lead us into the commands. And the guy who told me that, he, 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 we, we were sitting in on this big teaching on discipleship, and we said, have you got a short version of that? And he just gave us this, and I thought, wow, that, that, that kind of sums up the man's d- deepest need, that it's, it's not to be given. Men like tasks, and they like working out how to fix things. So... They sometimes need to be corralled into a place where they have to know intimacy. Like I remember back in '93, before some of you were born, born we had the Toronto outpouring. And um, who's heard of the Toronto outpouring? Who was there? Hey, come on! So, so we went to uh, hear John Arnott and his wife Carol at Waterloo in, in Sydney. And uh, I was kind of new to all this, and all we knew was that there was these wild experiences happening, and God turned up, and I, um, and Carol Arnott got up to speak, and all she did was kind of get people to imagine they were lying in a field, and they were just being, and just receiving love from Jesus and not doing anything, just receiving his love, and I had a bit of trouble getting my head around it, because I was like it was just, there was just no work involved on in my part that I could, that I could grab a hold of. <laughs> it was just receiving. I mean, now, now I run to that place of going, oh, if all else fails, let's just receive from God because I can just jump in the back seat and He's the driver and it's okay. But back then, it was such a foreign concept for me as a as a man to think, like, do nothing, like. Just lie there, just experience his love. 
so it, does, it doesn't come easy to guys. We'd much rather kind of get a job to do and to fix something, but this is, I think this is the work that we, we do in discipling, that when we come into the kingdom, we, um, we may think, well, just tell me what the jobs are, what I need to do to um, I'll sign up and to be, a, to be an effective Christian. Well, you've just got to let go, actually, and learn how to be loved as a son, and the rest will flow out of it. It's counterintuitive, but... Um, something that men can struggle with. So, um, yeah, so you're a son, not an employee. So we're in the family business, so we're fully approved, and we get to know what the father's saying and doing, and we get to partner in building and what he does. Um, so I'm just thinking, can you have the next slide, Ozai? Um, I've just thought about this process of discipleship that we are very strong on um, we're very strong on the, on the, the doctrine of righteousness because it set us free from um, any, it, it, it's, it's liberated us to the realisation that we're a new creation completely that there's, we're not a fixer-upper we're not a fixer-upper. Um, however, men like fixer-uppers. We like a renovation job. So it's just this realisation that we're, there is a truth that we are... We've been given a brand-new home, actually. There's no fixer... There's no renos. There's no renovations going on. Um, however, the context for that truth to be worked out in everyone's life is that we need connection and connection is is the community that we're in and that creates a space for men and and for everyone to actually to be able to process that reality we're given an incorruptible seed but you're you're unpacking it you honestly don't know half of it when you get saved like who, who knows the half of what it is to be married? Tommy knew. <laughs> you find out. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I think you're all clear that I'm not saying that um, what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is that well, there's process <laughs> and there's truth. The context for that truth is community and connection. So uh, it, allows, it allows all of us, it allows newcomers to come in. And they, the other manifestation of it is that um, when s- new Christians aren't fixer-uppers, you know. We don't uh, have a preoccupation with sin. We don't have a preoccupation with it because it's, it's not what's at the heart of righteousness. What's at the heart of righteousness is reconnection with the Father. And the main sin that anyone has to worry about is the sin of unbelief. So we don't go fixing up minor items trying to do the Holy Spirit's work for them because they aren't, they aren't things that actually led us to the Father anyway.
they, they were just manifestations of uh, Adam out who, after he was tossed out of the garden. Like disconnection from the Father produces a lot of negative things. So our, we don't slip into trying to renovate people. We, we just want to point everyone to the Father. Point men to the Father. And uh, it's good to be in a church where we're not trying to, to fix, fix all sorts of men's issues because the primary issue is connection with the Father and that we don't step in and try and do the Holy Spirit's work for him but we stay very connected and we have relationship and that makes it a place for men to come and uh, find out what it is to be connected to the Father. Um, yeah, I didn't touch on it before, but like, there were so many issues came out of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that, um, oh, look, I won't go back there, that's backtracking. Well, I just want to leave it at that, just, just that men have this propensity to want to fix things, but we know at the heart of what a man needs is reconnection with a father. And that the best thing I can do for other men is to be very connected myself and, um, and to point men to the Father. And he's well able to sort, that, sort things out. We don't want a superficial religious um, life. We want a deep connection with the Father. And it doesn't come from just stopping doing things and being respectable and religious. It, um, I read one verse that just struck me today and then I'll end on that from Matthew um, 1734 24 I think Matthew I've written the wrong one down hang on What's that verse where uh, Jesus? The the uh, it says the um, those that collected the temple tax were. Can someone Google it? Seventeen twenty-four. Yeah, I was right. Uh, yeah, and when they had come to Capernaum, Jesus, who received the temp, uh, those who received the temple tax, came to Peter and said, "Does your teacher not pay the temple tax?" Peter said, "Yes." I don't know if he knew if that was the case, but I'm sure he just said, "Yeah." Um, and when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free?
And I'm not sure if that was a statement or a question, but it was one of those little Jesus bombs, you know. He just drops it. Then the sons are free. And uh, they went on to, to say how you can find a coin to pay the tax. But I just imagine Jesus fixing his eyes on Peter and going, so the sons are free. And Peter's going, I suppose so. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> it was just, I thought, oh, he just, it was just, it spoke to me as well. The sons don't pay. They don't pay to be in the kingdom. They don't earn their way into the kingdom. The sons are free. And uh, I'm sure Peter had no idea what he was talking about. But um, it's, it's, it's a powerful message the Father is saying to all men that uh, uh, you don't work your way in or earn your way in or there's no, there's no merit in anything you do. Like... It's, it's just perfect father and son relationship. Uh, everything else will flow out of that, guys. And, and I love it. <laughs> so it's a no-fail policy. And, um, and it touches the deepest need in a man's heart to, to know who his father is, who's your father, and what your purpose is. And your first purpose is just to know him and enjoy him but deep within you, there's an urge to want to do something as well. And he knows how to scratch that itch and position you for uh, uh, a joyful... And it'd be a rocky road at times, but he knows how to position a man to, to fulfill... That's because he made us to do those kinds of things. Amen. Mm. So, I'll just put it out there. If there's anyone that really wants to be reconnected with the Father, I don't have the magic wand, but let's, we can gather at the front and pray. Yeah, we could all do with more reconnection with the Father. Amen.